Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message, it was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear, please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm moving, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. I'm pointing them to the moon. This is the Starship Sofa. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 686. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Yes, well, in my life, I have some... Some big news for myself. I put in my application to retire from full time. Yes, from full time work on the I think it's the nineteenth of August is when I'm retiring. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll keep on mentioning it. You know, I'll mention it every time. But yes, I, I, I put in my application for retirement. <laughs> Anyway, let's get into today's show. The main fiction is The Irregular by Misha Burnett. The story first appeared in Pulp Modern Volume 2, Issue 8, January 2022. Misha Burnett has little formal education but has been writing poetry and fiction for around 40 years. During this time, he has supported himself and his family with a variety of jobs, including locksmith, cab driver, building maintenance. Major influences include Tim Power, Samuel Delaney, William Burroughs and Philip K. Dick. For more information about upcoming projects, you can find them at mishaburnett.wordpress.com. Now, this story is narrated by T.F. Ahmed. 
Tayyab Ahmed is a writer and narrator from Chicago. His fiction has been published in Dark Futures, Soiled Magazine and Tales to Terrify. His non-fiction has been published in the Chicago Monitor and Archizer.com. He's narrated stories on Tales to Terrify and Good Ship Starship Sova. He podcasts his own fiction on the Nightly Bulletin podcast which you can find on your favourite podcast app. You can find him listening to podcasts on long walks, watching TV shows that take place on spaceships, and slowly building his personal library. He can be hired for voiceover work at fiverr.com, th underscore Ahmed. Or you can email him at thenightlybulletin at gmail.com. Speaking of TV shows, Orville 3 is, I've seen a little teaser trailer for, and that just looks Awesome, to be honest. I'm uh, the trailer. There's been some money thrown at that show. Wow, it's really good. Or looks good, to be honest. But anyways, the Starship Sova is very proud to present the Irregular by Misha Burnett. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The soldiers were camped just outside of town, at what used to be a car dealership. There were tents and campers in a ring around the office, and soldiers around the tents. They didn't have uniforms, but most of them were wearing colored scarves tied around their left arms. I was challenged by a pair of them, big tattooed thugs who looked like bikers. State your business, said the one with a rifle, not harshly, more like he expected I would have some legitimate business and wanted to know what it was. I want to join up, I said. He considered that. You got a gun? He asked after a pause. Yes, I said. It was a pistol I'd taken off a dead cop. I had bullets for it, too, but I hoped he wouldn't ask me if I knew how to use it. Leave it with Pedro here, he said. If you decide to leave, we'll give it back. With only a little hesitation, I reached into my pocket and pulled it out, holding it pointed at the ground, and handed it over to the silent one. He took it with a good look at my face, 
as if making sure he'd remember who it belonged to. The other one motioned me along. Let's go see the captain. We walked quickly to the office. He didn't introduce himself, and I didn't know what to say, so we just walked. Inside the showroom, they'd pushed all the salesmen's desks together to make one big table that was covered with maps and papers. A bunch of big, tough-looking guys stood around the table, talking softly. They all wore blue armbands. Captain, my escort called as we entered, got a potential recruit here. One of the men, the captain, I assumed, looked up and headed in our direction. What's your name? he asked when he got close. Andy Bennett, I said. Then I added, sir, just to see what it felt like. I'm Captain Black, he said. Tell me, Bennett, what makes you want to join us? I want to get the strangers off my planet, sir. He nodded as if the question had been a test and had given the right answer. What can you do? Lots of things, I said. I've been working as a small engine mechanic at Morrison's in Green Valley, but I grew up on a farm. I'm good at fixing things, and I'm not scared of hard work. That pleased him even more. Done any fighting? I paused, then answered honestly. Only with my fists, sir. Did some hunting with my uncle when I was a kid, but I wasn't good at it. That's not a problem, son, Captain Black said. We need support people, too, and it sounds like we could use you. Thank you, sir, I said. Here's the deal. What we have, we share. Food, shelter, medical supplies. We're living off the land here. So far we've been eating, but I won't guarantee the meals will be regular. We'll be here for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. After that, we move on. We never stay in any one position for long. There's no contract and no oath. If you decide that you want to leave, nobody's going to try to stop you. But please, let us know so we don't waste manpower looking for you. I nodded. That was about what I expected. We're hunting strangers. I've got scouts out now looking for places to hit. We swoop in, do as much damage as we can, and run for the hills. Classic guerrilla tactics. We use off-road vehicles, motorbikes, ATVs, whatever we can get. You got tools? Some, I admitted. They hit Green Valley at night. I didn't get a chance to grab much. He nodded seriously, a sympathetic look on his face. Well, bring them with you. We've got a half-assed mobile shop. We can always use more gear. I nodded again. What I had was in two suitcases I had stashed back at the old supermarket, where I had been bunking. This still sound like something you want to be a part of? He asked, looking me in the eye. Yes, Captain, I said, returning his gaze. He stuck out a hand. Welcome to Black's Irregulars. I shook his hand, and that was the extent of the enlistment process. Jake will show you around, the captain said, dismissing the both of us. Jake walked me back out. Now that I knew his name, he seemed less intimidating. You hungry? he asked. Yes, I admitted. I'd been living on cold, canned goods for three days. We'll hit the chow hall first, he said, such as it is. It turned out to be a pair of lunch wagons parked about twenty feet apart, with a row of folding tables between them. Jake went up to one of them and tapped on the side window. I got a new kid, he called. What's hot? A pretty girl with dark eyes and hair, pulled back under a scarf, came up to the window. I got stew and bread. She looked at me. Give me a sec, okay? I nodded my thanks, and she turned away from the window. 
He's a mechanic, Jake added. From inside the truck, she called. Can you do generators, kid? Sure, I said. Small engine generators. I can't get a power plant running. She came back with a bowl of stew and a couple of pieces of white bread. Here you go. I took what she offered. It smelled good, so I dug in. There's a generator in this heap, she said, but it's not working. I can only use the stuff that runs off bottled gas. Probably you mean a power inverter, I said, around a mouthful of stew and bread. Runs off the truck's engine, right? I swallowed. Yeah, I can work on those, too. I'll take a look at it. You got some gear to pick up, right? Jake pointed out. Let's grab that, and we can find a place for you to bunk down before you start tearing stuff apart, okay? I polished off my stew. Yeah, my stuff's out behind Tom's Market, off the outer road. Jake nodded. I know the place. Anything left in there? Not much, I admitted. Pretty well picked over. Figured as much. Jake gestured for me to return the bowl to the woman in the truck. That why you decided to join up? The question didn't sound challenging. Just curious. One reason, I said. I've got others. Jake led me through the maze of tents and vehicles. We all do. We gonna need a truck? I shook my head. I've only got two suitcases. We'll take a four-wheeler, then. The dealership's service department had been taken over by the Irregulars, with a half-dozen vehicles in various stages of repair, mostly off-road or in the process of being converted to off-road. I saw three men working. Jake called to one of them. Raj, meet Andy. He's a mechanic. Raj was a tall, thin guy, with old burn scars on half his face. Hey there. He stuck out a hand, and I took it. I'm Roger. I kind of run the shop, so you'll be working with me. I've mostly done small engine, I said. Boats, mowers, four-wheelers, Yamaha, Honda, Black & Decker. We can use all the help we can get, Roger said. You got tools? Gonna go get them now, Jake said. Which of these heaps is running? If you don't have a lot, you can take that one. Roger pointed to an ATV clumsily spray-painted in a brown camo pattern. Jake got in the saddle, and I wedged myself into the space behind him. They'd muffled the motor somehow. It was scarcely louder than a dishwasher. I heard they hit Green Valley hard, Jake said as we pulled off the lot and across an expanse of lawn. It's flattened, I said simply. The strangers have one of their damned farms there now. How'd you get away? I was in the john. I said. The water was out, you know? I think it's out everywhere, Jake said. Water, power, and food are the stranger's main targets. Anyway, I went on. Somebody set up a bunch of porta-potties down the road. They were kind of on the edge of this park, because of the smell. I was in one of them when they hit us. Jake nodded. I see. The road was blocked by a tangled mass of stranger plants. Tall, thin, purple trunks like spears thrust into the ground, wrapped with loops of glossy orange vines. There were cars tangled in the mass, their paint corroded by the vines' drippings. Route A's still clear, I told him. That's how I came down this morning. Yeah, I'll head around that way. We rode in silence for a while. I had to run, I said at last. I couldn't have done anything. They would have just killed me, too. I know, Jake said. Every man back in camp is there because he ran. All the ones who didn't are dead. You too? I asked. 
Yeah, he said with a heavy sigh. Me too. The front of Tom's was covered with a dripping net of orange vines. It wasn't that bad when I moved in, I said. Pull around back. My suitcases were where I'd left them, behind the dumpster. I stuck them in the cargo compartment and perched on top of them. Let's go. We were halfway back to the dealership when we heard the rumble of a stranger ship overhead. Jake pulled to the curb quickly, parking haphazardly like just another abandoned vehicle. We sat without moving, barely breathing. I wanted to get undercover, but it was too late. Movement might attract their attention. A disc the size of Tom's supermarket, floating high above, no obvious means of support, no obvious motive power. Just drifting by, like a cloud of dull beaten gold, trailing streamers of vapor. Their damned spores. Seeding our world with more of their plants. The plants didn't just kill off the native plants and replace them. They were changing the atmosphere. Our scientists, back when we had scientists and laboratories for them to work in, used the term biological planet forming to describe what the strangers were doing. It would take decades, maybe centuries, but in time, our world would be just like wherever they came from. They were patient. We didn't know how long they had been on Earth secretly before they launched their invasion. Long enough to learn how human civilization worked and where we were vulnerable. They didn't look much like human beings, but wrapped up in layers of clothes, their bodies modified to breathe our atmosphere. They could creep around our cities, watching and listening until they had learned what they needed to know. Their soldiers weren't modified. They wore armor the same dull golden as their ships, with helmets that covered their heads. If you broke open their helmets, and a bullet or even a well-placed blow with a hammer would do it, they would pass out quickly and then die. That was our one advantage in ground fighting. We could breathe the air, and they couldn't. The plants they covered the ground would change that, over time, until they would be able to walk around outside without their armor. And we wouldn't. Unless we drove them off Earth first. So far, we weren't doing a very good job. Trying to wipe out the plants was a losing proposition. At first, we could spray the new growth with pesticides, but the stranger's ships kept hammering us from the air, and soon we had no working chemical plants, or fuel for trucks, or roads the trucks would have been able to navigate. So we concentrated on harassing them on the ground. We still had the advantage of numbers, and they were vulnerable in their life support suits. They had settlements, of a sort, where they farmed their plants instead of letting them grow wild. They did other things there, with strange machines. Maybe they were part of their planet forming, or maybe they had some other inexplicable purpose. Resistance groups like Black's Irregulars worked to locate the settlements and do as much damage to them as they could. Maybe we couldn't stop the invasion, but we could slow it, make it costly in terms of material and lives. They had to bring everything across who knew how many light years. If we hurt them bad enough, they might just give up and go conquer some other world. That was the theory, anyway. The silent golden shape was out of view now, and Jake gunned it for the dealership. When we got there, he told me to take the ATV and my tools to Roger in the service area, and he went in to talk to the captain. Roger set me to helping an older man named Kevin drain the fuel tanks of the cars in the lot. We'd fill a half dozen cans, then run them back to the garage, where Roger had rigged a filtering rig to clean the gas, then transfer it to new cans. 
Kevin was a good man to work with. He'd been with Captain Black from the beginning and knew how the Irregulars functioned day to day. When I mentioned that I didn't have a place to sleep yet, he took me to see a heavy-set woman, once fat, but now with skin hanging loosely on her frame, that he introduced as Sheila, our quartermaster. Sheila helped me find an empty van and asked if it would do. I told her that I'd slept in worse places and it would do just fine, so she tied an orange shop rag around the driver's side mirror to show it was a private dwelling now. About sunset, we broke off work for the day and headed back to food trucks. There weren't enough chairs for everyone, so I sat on the ground and leaned against one of the trucks. The food was hot and there was enough for seconds. I estimated there to be about a hundred irregulars, all told, three quarters of them men. Here and there was a soft buzz of low conversation, but most of them ate in silence. After everyone was served, Captain Black came into the area and the talking stopped, everyone looking expectantly at him. Briefing after chow, he said, and took a plate of his own, ate it standing up. When he finished and headed back to the sales office, we all followed. It was a tight fit, but we all found a place to stand. A flyover was observed today, Captain Black said once we were all in. It crossed Route A, headed southeast. It was seeding, which makes me think the strangers are setting up a new camp, probably near the old county fairgrounds. He was talking about the ship Jake and I had seen on the way back from Tom's, I realized. If I'm right, the captain went on, we might have a chance to hit them while they're still moving, before they get dug in. I'll be asking the usual suspects to do a little recon tomorrow, at first light. If they find what I think we're going to find, then we'll get ready for a big punch and see if we can catch them with their pants down. So I want us to be ready to move ASAP. I've got a couple of ideas for our next position. Once I figure out which, we can start transferring ops there. He paused, as if inviting questions. There weren't any. Let's get some sleep. He finished up. Dismissed. Briggs, you and Lewis stick around. And Carol, I want a supplies report. The rest of us left. I got turned around and wandered around the lot for a while, looking for my van. Eventually I found it, crawled inside, and was asleep as soon as I closed my eyes. The next day, Roger gave Kevin a shopping list of parts, and I went with him, helping him strip engines. The other guys were pulling tires and wheels, leaving the car sitting on their axles. The work went quickly without feeling rushed. Kevin was well organized. He knew which cars were where and was an accomplished parts puller. Roger, meanwhile, was packing up the shop to move. He had three big trucks, two of them military-looking and all three with heavy off-road suspensions. When we broke for lunch, he showed me the space he was going to leave free for me to stash my suitcases. Sometime in the early afternoon, Briggs and Lewis came back. Within an hour, the news was all over camp. The strangers were building a new farm and the captain was going to hit them hard and fast, as soon as the camp was ready to relocate. After dinner that night, the captain himself made the announcement. I know we just got here, he said, but an opportunity like this is too good to pass up. We're going to roll out tomorrow at dawn. I'll lead the strike team going down to the new farm. The drill is the same as always. We kill strangers. I don't think they'll be expecting it, if they knew we were here, they would have hit us before they set up camp. Captain Black nodded over to where Roger and Sheila were standing together. As soon as we move out, support staff rolls to the new location. It's the Home Depot in Myersville. 
and as of yesterday, there was a clear route. Be alert, though, and ready for action. Once you get to the point, secure it, and we'll rendezvous back there. He paused, looking around the crowded room. No one spoke. Allow me to reiterate that this is a strictly volunteer operation. We will be in harm's way, both the strike team and the support staff. If the strangers find out where we came from before you get dug in, you'll be sitting ducks. If anyone wants out, you know where I bunk. I won't think less of you. Dismissed. That night, I lay sleepless in the van, thinking about my position and waiting for it to get late. Very late. When all the noise from the compound had stopped, I got out and took a walk. If anyone challenged me, I'd tell them I was looking for a place to take a leak. No one did. Inside half an hour, I was back in the van and trying to get to sleep. It would be a busy day tomorrow. At dawn, we rolled. Most of the troops headed south. The rest of us took the shop trucks, the food trucks, and a couple of buses east. I was riding in the back of one of the shop trucks. The strangers hit us on the highway. They were waiting around a sharp turn on both sides of the road, and they opened fire as soon as we were in range. When I heard the distinctive screech of their weapons, I opened the back of the truck and jumped out, hit the ground rolling, and lay flat on my back, arms outstretched, looking up at the sky, and waited for it to be over. It was a slaughter. There were a few gunshots, but for the most part, strangers cut down the irregulars before they could draw their weapons. Still, it took a long time. A hell of a long time. At last, it was still. A figure came into my field of vision, skeletal, clothed in dull golden armor, its face a featureless globe. It is finished, the stranger said. Its voice was very human, and I suspect it was synthesized by some machine in its helmet. I got to my feet, careful not to look at the carnage. And the others? I asked. Air to ground weaponry. No survivors. I nodded. You have our gratitude for your work. Fuck your gratitude, I said bitterly. I want my payment. I did not mean to imply that gratitude was all that you have earned, it said. I could almost believe that the soft voice was mocking me. You and the others you have designated will be given the land that you have requested. We will keep it free of our imported flora. I nodded again. You seem to have a talent for this work it said. Perhaps we could offer you a further inducement to perform another mission. I don't think so, I said. Twenty more humans, it countered, and a corresponding increase in the land area to accommodate them. I looked at the stranger, hating it, hating myself for being tempted. You know that you cannot stand against us, it said, its voice calm and reasonable. You face extinction, We are offering you a chance to save some of your people. Until the air changes and we die anyway, I snapped. We can provide an area of aboriginal atmosphere, it said. A barrier to cover your land, impermeable to gases. We can ensure that your descendants will survive. If I keep betraying the human race. Betraying some to save others, it said. They need never know at what price you purchased their survival. I turned away. Take me to my land. I'm retired. As you wish, it said. But think about my offer. I knew, 
as I followed the gaunt golden figure of the stranger to its ship that I would think about its offer. Twenty more lives against another piece of my soul. Was that even a choice? And there you go. Big thank you there, Michelle. Thank you so much indeed. Lovely to have you on. What a story. Influences Tim Powell, Samuel Delaney, William Burris and Philip K. Dick. You can't go wrong reading that kind of fiction. Thank you indeed. And TF, Ahmed. Always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> thank you indeed. So that is 686 Put to Bed. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And yeah, did I tell you I was... Retiring. Just a pup as well. I'm just, I'm just a baby. Yes. Oh, dear me. Oh, the job as my wife's got planned for us around the house. Until next week, I'd just like to say a good night from me. Thank you for listening.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.